Welcome to my basement, everybody. How are you all doing out there? Thank you so much for joining me on this uh, very soggy, is it Tuesday today, Blake? Yeah, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday, okay. I actually woke up this morning, I said, what day is it? What's happening? Uh, some days we get super busy, uh, but it's awesome to see you. I've got uh, Doy Owen, Ben Doig, uh, Powder Keg, uh, Blair Farrell, um, uh, JBJ Blaze and TFA, Blake Siefkin, he's saying, haha, sorry, everyone. Okay, Blake, we, we forgive you, buddy. Uh, and Sean Lysak, Vic sounds great. Blake sounds... <laughs> oh, he's being mean right there. Uh, word up, fi uh, Finite Joy. Uh, how you doing? Good to see everybody here. So I can I can actually read all of that stuff. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cover myself up a little bit there and look over here because I can see myself on the TV and it's weird. Okay, so we have um, some cool stuff to talk about today. Um, a little bit heartbreaking, uh, a little bit uh, violent and crazy, uh, and, but definitely cool and interesting and and uh, these are crazy times, and and uh, uh, it is uh, it is super fun uh, to get into this chat. So uh, I'm going to review the Punisher, um, and we're going to talk about that in a second because uh, I just I streamed all 13 episodes over the weekend, um, and I'm going to talk about that uh, in just a little bit. But I think the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to um, get into some Justice League conversation here. Uh, and I'm running the Film Fury review behind me on the TV, so don't be confused. I think I'm wearing the same shirt. Jesus, I need some new shirts. <laughs> My whole uh, wardrobe is supplied by Loot Crate these days. So I need to get, <laughs> get out and shop and get some new shirts. Um, anyways, uh, Justice League, uh, if you watched our review on Film Fury, uh, John did not like the movie. I thought it was better than John, but we were both not blown away. Let's put it uh, mild about Justice League. It's not horrible. It's not Batman versus Superman or Suicide Squad um, sort of level of uh, ridiculousness. It's pretty ridiculous, but not that bad. Uh, but it failed, I think, to uh, meet expectations and connect with audiences the way that um, Warner Brothers and DC really hoped it would. And uh, um, I love this Las Vegas testing shit out segment brought to you by Vancouver Film School, which is awesome. It's uh, it's crazy. Anyways, Justice League, uh, it comes out and um, it has all the superheroes are in there. Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, the Trinity. Uh, we get a new Flash, we get Cyborg, and we get uh, Aquaman. So lots and lots of really um, uh, respected, well-known actors populate this thing. Uh, but it is um, a lot of uh, clutter. A lot of mess, and it's all kind of squished together. Lots of different ideas, and I just felt uh, in my review that it was too much of a rush. Like they were just stumbling all over each other to get to uh, Tariq Satter. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> Partial refund for your Justice League ticket. Uh, you rock. Um, it was just, every, you could see the machinations, you could see the money behind the scenes just racing to get this thing out. And obviously it's a business. We're not fools. We understand they have to make their budgets back. And so much of our discussion around Hollywood is, uh, you know, how these things open, their box office, what they cost, what this actor made, yada, yada. Uh, and money becomes a part of the equation. But when art transcends or when uh, the fun takes over, when you stop thinking about that stuff is when a movie is really working. And I don't think you really do when you're watching Justice League. I think you watch Justice League with a lot of hope in your eyes and in your heart. And you think, oh my God, is this where DC is gonna turn the corner? Or are they gonna lift on the, uh, on the momentum that they created with Wonder Woman? 
And you watch it, and it's not a um, an out-and-out disaster, but you can certainly see the polarizing kind of uh, leadership of Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder kind of tearing me apart, Lisa. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not not the movie that I don't... I, I think either one of these directors, who are competent directors and have both built great things in their past, uh, I don't think either one of them is probably very satisfied with the way things turned out. And I don't think the actors probably were all that satisfied. And so, you uh, you know, you come away from Justice League, and, you know, d- despite how entertained you are by it, I think you come away with at least a modicum of... Um, feeling sorry for the movie or apologizing or, you know, regretfulness uh, about the movie. I I don't feel like it's one of these superhero flicks that's just so transcendent and evocative of the potential of the uh, of the genre you know and it's it's a goddamn crying shame because this is one of the the biggest you know possibilities and the biggest opening you know biggest opportunities for Hollywood to kind of get it right and I don't feel that they did and uh I don't know how many of you went out to see it but I feel like we are in for some big changes on Justice League. And I, I want you, if you can, I know it's kind of a pain in the ass and I wish there was somewhere I could pop up a bunch of windows and have you, uh, you know, instantly sort of take part in this chat and I could bounce between them. We don't have that kind of, we barely can get me talking in real time without everything crashing to a halt around here. Uh, but I want to read some of your uh, reflections on uh, Justice League and your thoughts on how the weekend transpired, what your thoughts were on the box office and um, it, you know if, if you like Justice League enough that you uh, uh, are excited about what Warner Brothers and DC could be doing here or the inverse of that tell me some of your thoughts and, and uh, trepidations and uh, maybe some ideas that you might have about how uh, WB and Warner Brothers can fix this because um, it's a mess and it, it's it's kind of shocking 93 million dollars was the weekend box office for the film I don't want to roll that entire discussion into that. I think the movie has problems, you know. Um, None of these superhero movies are uh, utter perfection. I would say that the beginning Nick Fury chunk of uh, Avengers was kind of tedious, but then it really started to pick up some amazing steam. And I think that was one of those movies where you're yelping in the theater and and can't believe what you're seeing. I think X-Men 2 kind of delivered some of that sort of uh, exultation that... uh, like, oh my God, we are just seeing a comic book ripped up on screen there, just you know, ripped up out of the comic pages and put up on screen. Batman uh, did a little bit of that with Tim Burton. Um, I think Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi movie, did a little bit of that as well. I think Superman the movie. But none of them, I think, are, you know, frame one to the end of the movie, absolutely perfect. But I want to hear your thoughts on Justice League. And before I start reading some of that, and I will go back in the chat and read this. And honestly, if you're um, uh, listening to this later or uh, um, watching this as an archive video on our YouTube channel, please, if you've got thoughts on this, I want to read them. So stick them on the uh, on the comment section or tweet at me or or uh, I want to hear about this. But I got a... Uh, um, I got a great question from Kyle from uh, Mr. Precision, uh, basically uh, wanting to um, get my thoughts on how I would fix everything. And I want to read his question. 
Um, I sent it to Blake, and I didn't do a question of the day today because I was in a bit of a rush around mode this morning. I had a meeting that I had to get to. If I was in charge of the WBDC universe, what would I do next? Would it be a bad thing if they just made a good solo movies on their own or forget about a large MCU-like universe? And it's an it's an awesome question. It's an it's a very provocative question. Um, you know, I'll try to respond to it. Um, and I know a lot of a lot of you uh, may not like to hear uh, where I go with this. And I put a little bit of thought into this, and and uh, I'll, I'll kind of you know try to relay this. But I feel like Ben Affleck was a terrible choice uh, from the beginning. Um, not because he's not capable, not because he doesn't look good in the suit, and not because the suit is the best suit we've seen on film. All of that is true. But I think Ben Affleck is a, um, uh, he's kind of this force of nature in the movie business, and he kind of uh, has to be uh, catered to in order to sort of feed his prominence within the picture, within the landscape of uh, whatever he's involved with. And that's not a comment on him. It's not a comment on his ego or any of that stuff. It's just his positioning within anything that you're involved with. And he is such an overshadowing, uh, you know, box office success. You know, along the way, he has had much success. He had some failures and stuff. That I think it was a poor decision. I think that it was a uh, a decision based on uh, clout and uh, expectation. Um, and I don't think that it's been realized um, to its fullest potential. And I think that he is not comfortable in the role. And I think that we can see that when we see him on screen. And we, we see it when he's in interviews and we see it in, in uh, the conversations that he has around this thing. And I feel like that w- was a tragic uh, element in the f- you know, the formation of these properties. Um, not saying that Affleck ruined Batman versus Superman at all, and not saying that he's the worst part of Justice League, but I feel like because he's such a, uh, you know, tip the scales kind of personality in this universe, uh, it, it's a, it, it, it creates an imbalance in, in the whole sort of ecosystem. And uh, I feel like DC should have discovered their Batman in the same way that they they bet on Henry Cavill as their Superman, who I think is okay. I don't think he's he's a marvelous actor. And the more I see him, um, you know, the more I'm sort of coming to the realization that he's he's in that okay box. I hope he surprises me in the next Mission Impossible movie. But I think they found lightning in a bottle with Gal Gadot. Um, you know, certainly they uh, Warner Brothers and DC did that with. Um, uh, Christopher Reeve, who I think is the penultimate, you know, casting decision in the superhero world, um, and certainly Marvel has had great success with their Iron Man and their Cap and their Thor, uh, and now their Spider-Man, and uh, you know, the list actually goes on quite a bit with Marvel. But I, th- I feel like the decision to put Affleck in these movies um, created undue pressure on everybody, and it's unfortunate because I feel like. With that pressure, uh, there there becomes this vacuum of fun, and that vacuum of fun can be felt when you watch the movies. It's not just about tone. It's not just about the framing. It's not just about the coloring. It's also uh, you know, uh, and it's not about just about the marketing. It's it, it, it's you can as human beings, I think we're, we're you know receptors to this kind of thing, and we can feel when it's just not 
taken off. And uh, so the first thing that I would do is just let Ben Affleck out of his contract and I would recast and I would find somebody that is going to be with the role for a while. I think it's weird that Affleck starts his, his career as Batman and he's kind of an old haggard guy that's ready to quit and kill. Um, and I think that was a poor choice on the creative vision uh, for Batman versus Superman. I think they jumped the gun to go right to the to Frank Miller era Batman instead of uh, letting us breathe with this character for a little bit. Um, so that would be step one. Uh, and step two would be, yeah, let's put the brakes on any Justice League films uh, where they're all together until every single one of these characters that's even alluded to. And spoiler alert, there are some. Uh, uh, can I say something about spoiler? Can I spoil a little bit? It's only been out a weekend. Uh, OK, plug your ears. OK, I'm going to pl- I'm going to spoil something that you could probably anticipate anyways, but plug your ears. Um, but they sort of allude to the Green Lanterns and the new Green Lanterns in uh, in Justice League now. So every single one of these ca- characters that is hinted at, uh, suggested, that has weight in the Justice League universe should absolutely get the same treatment and the same artistic vision. Not the same artistic, but the same amount of leverage and, and uh, um, you know, unique vision as Wonder Woman just received under Patty Jenkins. And every one of these, the like Cyborg and Flash and, um, uh, you know, Aquaman, and we're going to get the Aquaman next year, whether we want it or not. Uh, but they all should come out before we even hint. I mean, we should get another Superman movie for sure. Don't call it Man of Steel 2. Uh, I think distance yourself from what has come and start rebuilding. I don't think you have to recast Henry Cavill. Uh, Gal Gadot is good. Uh, is, uh, she's she's terrific as Wonder Woman. I think all the actors actually are pretty solid. Ezra Miller had too much responsibility on his shoulders and, and again, under the microscope because they have such a great flash in Grant Gustin. Uh, but yes, let's make all of these things happen. If Flashpoint is the way that they reboot everything, then so be it. But yeah, I would stay far the hell away from another Justice League movie for probably the better part of a decade, you know, like six or seven years. We do not need a sequel to this movie. Let us get to know these characters and especially, incredibly importantly, uh, the villains that exist in this incredible DC universe. Let's really get to know them as individual creations in individual films, and let's really fear them. Let's let's let them have that cinematic power that the Joker has had and Lex Luthor has had. Uh, You know, and frankly, I I think the Penguin was actually really well represented as uh, Danny DeVito. I think Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman was incredible. And then things started to really uh, not... They didn't really live up to opportunity or potential after that. Even Rachel Ghoul in, in uh, Christopher Nolan's uh, Batman Begins, which is an amazing movie, but he's not the villain he should be in that movie, you know? So I think it's, it's really important for Warner Brothers in DC to kind of uh, slow down and give us each one of these stories, each one of these characters, and give us a villain that's not all just CG, that's not just, you know, uh, sort of by the numbers, it's, he's going to explode the world and, and oh, everybody's got to team up because they're contractually obligated to. Uh, we, we have to do that, right? Like, who the fuck is Steppenwolf, LOL, from Leaf Fan B? So I think if they do that, because there was enough cool stuff hinted at in Justice League, and anybody that is uh, has seen the film can you know can see that there's some some pretty cool stuff in there. But I think if they do that, and then 
you know, seven years from now or eight years from now, they say Justice League 2 is coming. I think we'll be excited by that. Okay, uh, I'm going to read a couple of these things. Thanks, everybody, for uh, jumping on the chat and uh, responding. I figured that um, Mr. Precision's tweet was going to be worth uh, almost its own podcast and also all of this Justice League news. I don't want to represent that I hate Justice League or I hate DC or Warner Brothers. I love DC. Uh, you know, that, that was my first comic book love, honestly, is, is the world of, of uh, DC Comics and Batman, of course. But... Uh, um, I know I've got the Spider-Man down there. It's because I love this thing. Uh, but I, I freaking love DC Comics, and I've loved a lot of the DC movies over the years. Superman is still, I mean, it's it's one of my favorite films of all time, the Superman the movie with Christopher Reeve. So, And I love the Burton Batmans, and I, I loved uh, two of the three Christopher Nolan Batmans. Uh, I loved Wonder Woman. I, they, got a, they got it in them. They just need to buckle down, slow down, um, you know, really spend some money on CG and, uh, and, and deliver these things. These, you know, make them masterpieces. Okay, uh, I'm going to read some J, uh, Justice League stuff. Let's see. Uh, I, I'm just glad the Justice League comics haven't sunk the, uh, this low or DC comics in general. Doomsday Clock, Finite Joy is still reading the comics and digging it. Uh, arthritic, zo- arthritic Zombie says Whedon's reshoots don't jive with Snyder's foundation. Ain't that the truth? Newt Origami, why not a Batman Beyond with Michael Keaton training a new Batman? DC should reinvent their heroes and not follow Marvel. I think that's great. I actually think, uh, I know you guys are going to think I'm totally uh, ridiculous and biased here, but I honestly feel like uh, Harrison Ford as an old Batman would be absolutely incredible in a Batman Beyond movie. They probably would never do that because he's in too many things, but he's great. Undone14 says, oh, hi, Vic. Uh, why did Zack Snyder get another chance after Batman vs. Superman? It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Zack Snyder now. I don't think he'll be involved in any capacity with DC stuff after this. Um, and even Joss Whedon, too. I mean, um, all the, the, the sexual stuff that, that uh, blew up in, in Joss Whedon's face this year could be DC's way of separating from him on the whole Batgirl thing and everything as well. I mean, this is going to be a change. Like, there, there's no way that news like this, even though it's made some pretty decent money internationally, there's no way that this won't impact decisions on what happens now. I'll be shocked if Ben Affleck does another Batman movie. Uh, watching the credits and saw Ben Affleck's assistant had an assistant. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, he's 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 too titanic an individual. And it, you know, hats off to him and his great success in Hollywood. But you don't hire that dude and then cover his face up and in a Batman costume. You you either shock the 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 sort of casting world or the the fandom world with the decision like Michael Keaton did and surprise everybody to the you know the benefit of the movie like Michael Keaton did or you find your Gal Gadot Christopher Reeve, you know, Batman that's going to be there for a while, you know. Um Danny uh, Barzagar said, I heard uh, Affleck, sorry if I butcher anybody's names, heard Affleck is giving up Batman and they are looking at Jake Gyllenhaal for the new Batman and it is just a rumor. I don't want Jake Gyllenhaal to be Batman. It's the same goddamn thing. They can't go from one famous guy to another famous guy. Make it a person that's up and coming, solid, respected, and uh, you know, give them an opportunity. I know that you equate the, the star status with the box office, it's the way that Hollywood runs, but 
Batman transcends all of that stuff, you know? Uh, and it hasn't worked out, you know? When they cast George Clooney, meh. When they cast Val Kilmer, meh. When they cast Ben Affleck. I mean, Christian Bale is another great example. He uh, had some great choices in that thing. The Batman voice was kind of nuts, but he, he was really physically cool and there and, and uh, realistic and believable. Uh, but he was also not so famous that he couldn't just inhabit that character and we believe in him. And he didn't have so much baggage. He kind of created his baggage when he did that Terminator uh, Salvation flick. Uh, but he's a hell of an actor, too. Uh, movie was fun, M. Power says. Yeah, there's definitely some really fun pieces in there. There's, there is some really good stuff in there. Um, what else we got here? Uh, uh, I thought it was a goodish movie, Niv Laksura. Newt Origami says, why not Michael Keaton back as old Batman? Yeah, we talked about that a bit. Just felt cluttered and manic, Spencer O says, like a bad Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, you know, it's like, okay, we got to jump uh, right to some big battle scene because we've had enough talking bits. And and it's, tr I mean, you've got to do that in these superhero flicks for sure, but it, it should have upended everything and surprised us with its choices. Instead, it was it was very derivative and predictable and, and uh, you know, it was okay. It sh a Justice League movie should not just be okay, you know? The movies keep disappointing, but the characters almost seem untarnishable. The hope will never die. Of course not, Sean Lysak. These, uh, these characters have survived 75 years, some of them, 76, 77 years, some of them, uh, and they're permanent fixtures in popular culture. We want to believe in uh, augmented and superpowered and, and uh, you know, otherworldly individuals. Um, and it put our faith for you know humanity and imbue these characters with that um they're the greater good you know against the greater evil and and it's uh that kind of storytelling has has survived forever you know since the dawn of storytelling that sort of mythic kind of storytelling these these are our mythic heroes of the age and we finally have the the uh the craftspeople and the technology to build these things and make them look realistic um and i feel like you know, one of the things that I think sort of hampers DC, they had two, like obviously there's this race, right, with Marvel and Warner and, and Disney. Uh, we have to kind of eat into that market share. We have these huge properties. We have to go. But there's also this uh, Shakespearean uh, seriousness about the way, and this I think is true of DC in general. These characters are just so untouchable and un unchangeable, untarnishable. Um, and that partially goes to the fandom and our expectations of what they're going to put up on screen, uh, but also the way that DC manages these things. And I feel like, you know, I, I, I think we're, we're probably 20 years from DC being able to do what Marvel just did with uh, Thor Ragnarok, you know, where they basically turned it into a buddy comedy, which not everybody liked, and I can appreciate that. Um, and I thought it was great, but I actually loved the first two Thor movies because they introduced me to a character I really knew nothing about, and I thought they were handled really well. Um, but I feel like DC is just so super serious about its work, almost in the same way that Star Wars, like Lucas and the Star Wars creators were with the prequels, you know, where they had lots of people kind of just standing around with serious faces talking about serious things. And it, it kind of shut things off from regular folks, you know, it kind of 
made a lot of just regular moviegoers go, well, where, where's the fun? Like, wh- what happened? Why is everybody talking about, you know, taxes and trade tariffs and, and uh, why are these robots so... Roger, Roger. Uh, anyways, uh, you know, I, I feel like DC... Uh, has now this open door to really shake things up. And some okay, some things that I did like. I did like the direction that Snyder and uh, Momoa are going with Aquaman. Don't really know, you know, too much about the character, but I love James Wan. I think he's a great director. Now he's directing the new Aquaman movie, and I also really am charmed by Momoa. I think he's this unique individual um, that deserves his celebrity and his, his star. He has obvious star power. So I'm excited to see what happens with this Aquaman movie. I hope it's great. I really, really hope it doesn't suck because uh, I think it's fun. I think that's that's that is shaking up the traditional sort of ideas of what uh, Aquaman is. Uh, Cyborg, I think Ray Fisher did. A, I forgot his name. Uh, I think it was when I did the review. I think it, it was par- partially the way the character just felt kind of afterthoughtish in in the picture. Uh, I didn't really think about Cyborg, but when I see bits and pieces of his performance, I see that he was well cast. He's got a commanding, uh, you know, sort of empathetic kind of. Uh, uh, rooted, grounded performance, to, you know, with this guy that's just had his whole world all shaken up. But we have to kind of sort of, in the context of the film, sort of supply all of that knowledge and that background based on us reading or I, me reading and it's probably some of you Teen Titans comics and knowing, and knowing uh, Cyborg's backstory. But I like Cyborg and I, you know, I don't know what will happen now based on the box office here, but I would be interested in a good cyborg flick for sure. Um, same goes with the Flash, although less so, less so because we're getting a great Flash episode every every week. Not then they're not always great. Uh, okay, uh, Warco A says DC equals dumpy content. Ooh, shots fired. Uh, Quantum Mass, dude, 93 million domestically. That's a lot of money. It's not bad at all. It's it's now almost making as much as Wonder Woman worldwide right now. Uh, it is not bad at all, but it is uh, significantly less than ba- Batman versus Superman launched at 166 million dollars, and then Suicide Squad made I think 133 million. So for Justice League, which is supposed to be the culmination, the gra- you know the the crown jewel of of Warner Brothers. Uh, to make less than $100 million at box office in its opening weekend, and the word of mouth is not that great, and the critical reception is not that great, it's going to drop quickly. And, uh, I mean, I'm th- I think there's probably concern that it won't make its money back. Apparently, it has to cross $600, $700 million for it to earn the $300 million plus all the extra costs back. I mean, it will make its money back, no question, after, you know, the extended cut Blu-rays and the 4K releases, and it will find life but it's not the sensation that every dc fan on earth and every uh you know executive at warner brothers and every you know honestly every actor that's playing a superhero right now wants this thing to be i don't think anybody wanted this to not be uh great i think we all wanted this thing to be amazing and do amazingly well uh, pulled 281 globally over the weekend. Overseas markets is where WB will get its profits for sure. I'm happy for those who enjoyed these movies, but personally couldn't care less about superhero movies. Probably not even when it's on Netflix. Call me when there's a good Justice League video game. 
I hear that, Doy Owen. Unfortunately, the longer it takes for these companies to kind of fly into pop culture with, you know, grand success with these kinds of things, the longer it will take for video game companies to take those risks and those investments again. We've, see, we've seen how long it's taken Square Enix to uh, back the Marvel horse and, and uh, Insomniac with their Spider-Man game. We, we've had a big gap, you know, even when Rocksteady said, look, we can make awesome licensed properties. Look at how incredible their Batman games are. Even those did not, you know, catalyze the rest of the video game space to go, oh my God, yeah, look, video games are superheroes. Why don't we just work with these superheroes and make awesome, you know, superhero games? Like I've really been thinking about that next level uh, Captain America title. I really want to play that again. I want to get back into these shoes, you know? And uh, I've been having a blast with Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2. I'm going to talk about that in a second here. Definitely a rushed project from Powder, from Powder Keg. They brought up Red Letter Media Review that the uh, movie was focused, tested too much to give exactly what they wanted. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Red Letter's... They're brilliant over there. Uh, they have dialogue in the movie about how he's too old to be there. I thought it was a bad idea to have Batman front and center to begin with Blair Farrell. Yep. He's a better Batman than Bale, Quartermass, uh, X. Uh, I think physically he is. I think they should have said, look, he's an almost 40 Batman. He's not the the Dark Knight Returns Batman. He, he should have just been at the top of his game, quite frankly. He should be a confident Batman. Instead, he's a sad, sulking kind of dumb Batman. And it's not Affleck and it's not his capabilities. It's the way that the, he's written. And I said that about Batman versus Superman. And I say that again here. You know, he, he's showing everybody his secret identity. He's kind of, he's not outthinking anybody. And that's not Batman. Batman outthinks everybody. That's the most powerful thing he's got. It's not his wealth. It's not his gadgets. It's not his his uh, ninja skills or any of that crap. It's his mind. He can outthink everyone. And he's you know ten steps. He's a tactician. He's a he's a the world's greatest detective. They haven't shown any of that stuff. Okay. Uh, he didn't growl like Bale. A couple more. Cavill is great as Superman. DB uh, won't uh, let there be a great Superman. He seems so jolly and friendly in real life, and he's so dour in the DC. Yeah, that's good. That's good feedback there, and good, uh, a good observation, Blair Farrell. Wonder Woman should have been the center hero of Justice League. Who's with me, or who wants to sue me? I think Wonder Woman should have. I mean, she's the heart of the movie, and she should have uh, definitely taken the leadership role. Uh, my idea for DC Universe: bring back Christopher Nolan. Uh, Nolan won't come back, especially now. Uh, Tom Hardy as the ne- as the new Batman. Wow, that's brave. Uh, hi, Fred Wicks. Hi, Vic. I saw you Justice League Saturday, four, uh, 3D showing, and there were 10 other people in the theater. Uh, 10 people. Domestic box office must be horrendous. Uh, not horrendous, but definitely not where everybody wants it to be. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm skipping down here because we, we I want to talk about some other things here too. Uh, Vic, what do you think of the Punisher Netflix series? Well, I'm going to get into that in one sec. Let's see if he... Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. Okay, there we go, Blair Farrell. Good job. Uh, best thing about Justice League is it made me want to play Injustice 2. Now there is your Justice League. Injustice 2, holy shit, is that an incredible game. Uh, Tom Hardy is already playing Venom. I think, yeah, he's probably tapped out on the superhero stuff, uh, Tom Hardy. You get two, and that's it, right? I don't think you get to do more. Do a flip. Rightful Dig wants me to do a flip. Uh, Can't do that. Uh, Okay, let's talk about the Punisher. Let me load up some uh, Punisher vids here. One second. Um, uh, All right, so let's review season one of the Punisher 
Uh, I've just got a bunch of the trailers and stuff rolling behind me. Very dark show. Holy crap. The Punisher is uh, one of the most gruesome things I've seen. It goes so far over the top with its violence that after a while you become as numb to it as uh, Frank Castle is. And he, he honestly, he shoots people in the head and it's like nothing. It's just like poof to, to the character. And you know why that is. You can understand how he got to uh, that level of detachment and ferocity. Uh, but I, as a viewer, started to go, how have we come so far that we can watch entertainment like this and it doesn't register at all. Like people's faces getting splattered and and smashed in. And at one point somebody has, actually I don't want to spoil too much, but somebody gets their face beat in such a horrific way a couple times, but uh, it's shocking. Um, But I will say that, um, uh, now I'm blanking, oh, uh, John Bernthal. Uh, John Bernthal is, unbelievable to watch as the Punisher. He is just such an incredible actor. And uh, I mean, he he wears every emotion on his sleeve uh, or on his face, on his, you know, like his heart is right there. You can understand all of his motivations. He's almost got this sort of, uh, you know, animal sort of roar to him as he's about to kind of, you know, sort of square up and deal out the damage that he was kind of put on this earth to do. And he just is this ferocious monster when he gets going, you know, and he's like, and he's, it's frightening. It's freaky. And I I can't imagine that the, um, the other actors working with him, uh, they probably went home and had nightmares, you know, like, cause he's so inhabits these boots of this, uh, this, uh, this tragic soldier. And, you know, as we saw with Daredevil Season 2, he was, the I think, the best part about Daredevil Season 2. His story is just horrendous. It's just awful. And you can see the rationalizations and, the, and the, uh, the, you know, his reality um, just forces him over the edge and he's got to go off and, and do all of this stuff. And, and he makes it um, believable and understandable, but also incredibly horrific you know like especially if you're you're sitting there and you're trying to rationalize all of this stuff there's a visceral quality to this that you can't deny for sure I mean just the idea of uh, slaughtering your enemies um, as efficiently as uh, you know as Frank Castle does the the um, this visceral thrill that sort of percolates in your mind thinking about what it would be like to do that sure but the movie is also you know ballsy enough to uh, you know, throw in a um, a discussion about gun control right in the middle of it, and I just thought, holy Christ! Especially with all of the uh, uh, you know all of the real life gun violence happening on the news all the time, and all these this you know this people fetishizing the AR-15 and and uh, all these horror stories, and then right in the middle of this incredibly violent, incredibly uh, brutal. Um, show where so much carnage happens at the at the end of a bullet uh we have this senator that shows up on this radio show with karen page uh deborah ann wall who's terrific she's she like um 
Uh, oh God, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, but she she is one of the cornerstones of the Marvel Netflix kind of pillar, and uh, you know, and she she's in all the shows or a bunch of the shows, and she's just great. She's uh, she I just like watching her pieces with everybody, and she's got a real empathetic heart uh, towards Frank Castle, and and knows that his story is an awful one, and. Uh, uh, but she's she's also a concealed carry uh, permit holder, and she actually she's packing, and she has a radio show, and she has this kind of discourse with this senator, and you know, right in the middle of all of these guns firing in this show, and I just thought, holy man, the the uh, the the writers and producers and creators of this are afraid of nothing, you know, because obviously this is a show that that. Um, uh, intellectually will get you thinking about that. It's like, what does, how is this show registering with its audience? Uh, I think it's a, it's a successful show in the way that it takes a comic book creation and makes it kind of uh, um, uh, relatable and you can connect to it. Um, but it's also a challenging show because this is now a superhero, in quotations, um, that is more about sort of survival and uh destruction and and death then you know that superhero kind of moniker kind of allows for you know we don't see the other heroes uh taking out guns and shooting people in the face uh but but uh, the punisher sure does and it, it you question a lot of this stuff as you're watching it you know um, not that you don't feel, you feel for it, but I can tell you as a comic book fan, when I was growing up, I stood by the, the credo of Batman, you know, this is a guy that would break fingers and, and arms and legs and, and uh, you know, bloody noses and stuff like that, but he would be abhorrent to pick up a gun. He would never do that. He would he abhorred guns. And uh, that was the superhero that I identified with, and so I always found it really uncomfortable to think of any of these vigilantes. Uh, and on the... Um, uh, you know, on the DC side, there was uh, there was the vigilante, and then there was uh, I, you know Deathstroke. I think they kind of played with sometimes Slade Wilson, where he was kind of a good guy and kind of a bad guy. I think in answer to the popularity of the Punisher, but the Punisher was not somebody that I went, oh my god, I got to read every issue of this. I gotta I gotta know everything about this guy. Not somebody that like I didn't grow up on the streets of New York, you know, and uh, I, I I didn't for myself project this kind of uh, I will uh, take down my enemies at all costs kind of hero worship around these characters that I, I dug in the comic books. So I never gravitated towards the Punisher. but And I've seen the other movies. I thought um, uh, Thomas Jane's Punisher was actually pretty damn solid. Uh, but I don't think anything holds a candle to the commitment that John Bernthal has got, and particularly because they stretch his story across so many episodes. And I think that ultimately becomes a bit of a problem in this show uh, because uh, so much of the show is about snap decisions and quickly uh, dealing with situations as they come up. And um, there's an elegance to the choreography as Frank invariably gets shot 17 times or 18 times per episode and still manages to survive somehow. Um, and and it's remarkable to see how much carnage is, you know, passed on to him. As much as he kills everybody, he gets hurt a lot, and he did in the Daredevil season as well. But I felt like that got stretched a little too thin. We went on a little too long, and so by the end of the season, 
Um, you know, as the Punisher obviously is taking the, his ultimate revenge on the awful bad guys in the show, it's like, okay, all right, I just don't, you, you stop caring about all of the, the payback that the Punisher gets. Um, I have to say that I don't think the show would be anywhere near as good as it is, I just looked up his name, uh, without Eben Moss uh, Bachrock, I think that's how you pronounce it, Microchip, the guy's incredible. Some of the uh, some of the best acting I've seen on television in ages. He's just so good. He's the heart and soul. He's the conscience. He is uh, a virtue, a source of virtue. He wants to do the right thing. Um, he gets placed into a tremendous amount of jeopardy because he does. He puts his family in jeopardy, and you know he represents, I think, the good in Frank Castle. He's like this this uh, anchor, this connection to. Um, hopefulness. The, the last one, honestly, that Frank Castle probably has in his story in the show. And God, he's just great to watch. And the and the and the uh, the scenes between Bernthal and and uh, Bachrock. Um, I'm saying is I don't know how I'm saying his name, but he, they're just fantastic, riveting, riveting stuff. Natural and beautifully performed, and really well written. Um, I also liked all of uh, Microchip's family and the way that they carried all their stuff. I thought that was fantastic. And the other standout, I thought, I actually liked uh, Amber Rose Riva as. Uh, uh, Medini, uh, who plays this Homeland um, uh, security um, head who has got uh, uh, the Punisher in her target. She's, she's really solid and committed and, and uh, tough, as, tough as nails uh, and fun to watch. And, and uh, you can see her motivations in all those scenes. But the, uh, the other one was Ben Barnes, who plays um, uh, Billy Bishop, I think is the last name, or I, or I can't remember. The, he eventually becomes Jigsaw, and I'm spoiling a little bit there. But uh, he is amazing in this show as well. He's a great villain uh, because he's so charming, and you um, you kind of believe that this guy's got some virtue, and he's a, he is a real friend to Frank Castle, uh, and he's just great. He he's such a creepy. Mm, a freak by the end of it that you're like, oh my god, this is going to be a great showdown, and it turned out to be. It turns out to be a pretty great showdown at the end. I, I I do. I really really like this show. I think if this was ten episodes, this would probably be my favorite of. You know, surprise surprise. It's it's a you know, a horrifying premise, and there's some dark stuff in there that's probably a little too dark even for me. Uh, and I've seen dark things um, to to kind of enjoy, but I feel like what happens is you just get numb to it by the sheer length uh, of the episodes. And there's a lot of rehashing, right? When you you get into 13 episodes, you're kind of going over story beats, and you're you're kind of reminding people why this person has has got this you know, desire to go this route for so long. And, and we see scenes kind of play out over and over again. Um, and I think if they had made this 10 episodes, it'd be my favorite of the, the Marvel series. I think it's a, it's a pretty um, clearly focused, uh, clear direction, very realistic kind of slant on, on uh, an area that could exist in uh, the Marvel space. But it exists almost in solitude. It exists almost within its own reality. It doesn't seem to connect at all with the rest of the Marvel. Like, I just cannot I, uh, picture Tom Holland swooping through as Spider-Man inside of uh, the Punisher's New York. It just doesn't seem to correlate with me. Um, uh, but still, great stuff. And Berndthal, uh he destroys. He's great, man. 
Uh, he's really, really good. Uh, microchip is portrayed well. Great backstory, Fred Wicks says. Uh, oh, and I did like Billy's Assassin's Creed uh, Hidden Blade, Blake Siefkin. Yeah, good comment right there. Billy was great in this thing. Uh, let's see what else we got. Walking Dead fell off after Shane's death. There you go. That's, that's a deep cut talking about early days with Bernthal on it. Uh, Victor, the Punisher actually made me pass out. That one beating in episode 12, you know the one, was the final straw for me. I tried to get up, walk away from the TV, and I collapsed on the floor. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little uh, indulgent in its violence, but it has to kind of connect with the, the gruesomeness that's portrayed in the... Uh, in the comics, you know, and I think it tries to go that far. Dark Vic, scary thought. I have seen and read lots of stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to scroll with this. I have too many <laughs> screens in front of me. Uh, let's see what else we got in here. Uh, well, he used to abhor guns. Then there's his vehicles with guns attached. J Blaze and TFA. Yeah, one of my main problems with the Batman as portrayed in, in recent movies is, yeah, he's blasting and shooting away at everybody. Um, need a Punisher versus Deadpool movie. See that? It's it's weird, right? Because like Bernthal's Punisher is great, but I just can't see it anywhere else in the MCU. And and you know it just doesn't fit. You know, there's nothing light about it. The guy is bleak. He's so dark. Uh, hold on, I'm getting I'm getting a call here. Um, uh, let's see, one second. I just have to see who this is. Give me one second here. Um, Okay, I we talk long about Justice League, and it's uh, you know what I have to get going pretty soon here. I think I have time for one or two more comments, and then I gotta go. Uh, let me just say, uh, okay, I will, uh, I will be there. Okay, boom. All right, uh, you are the coolest reviewer I ever met. Is this my mom? Is this my mom? Classified NSA Brain Project. Uh, fine, I enjoy Victor. Oh, maybe pass out. Yes, that's a great comment. I really enjoyed Greg Rucka's take on the Punisher, where the Punisher was almost a secondary character, and the book was more about how the world reacts to the character. He is, uh, you know, he's so frightening. He's like, um, he's like a, a, like a split from uh, uh, the Hulk in a way, right? Like he's a monster. There's no other way to describe him, you know. Uh, no, I've got to go pick up my daughter, D9000. Uh, thanks for another great stream, Victor Lucas. Father, uh, hubby duty called. Doy Owen, you called that right. Never was keen on Punisher. I like the altruism of Spider-Man more. You know what, though? Like, the one thing that the, the Punisher does, it, 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 because he's so real, and he, he's not even, like, John Wick, I think they play that with, um, uh, for real in a lot of ways, you know, with practical effects and stunts and stuff. Um, and that, that there's an element of that in the Punisher, but it goes to a whole other level. Like the Wick movies have a sense of comedic edge, uh, which makes them easier to, you know, on the palate. The Punisher is it's kind of an acquired taste. You know, it's like uh, it's like 13 episodes of the shovel scene from Casino. You know, and and that's. It's hard to watch, and then it just is numbing, and then you're just appreciative of the commitment, and that's, and you also feel it for yourself. It's like, geez, I, good on you. You stuck through 13 hours of that uh, just pummeling. 
You know, that's why I tweeted last night, the second season, yeah, Audrey and Leon, I will talk about Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 uh, another time. Maybe I'll stream some more tonight. Um, but it's amazing. Can I just say that? I'm loving, and what an antithesis to <laughs> the Punisher. Uh, it's been weird to flip and flop between, the, between them. Uh, but the Punisher is so bleak that it makes you appreciate the lighter things in the, uh, in the comic book space and in the Marvel space. Uh, JBJ Blaze, thanks for giving me stuff to look forward to, although I haven't seen it. Only got through episode one, but then had to catch up with other shows, plan to finish The Punisher myself. Yeah, I, I really dig The Punisher. Um, I guess we reviewed it together, kind of, which is cool. I like this. I like being able to read comments and, and chat with you guys. Uh, but I really, really like The Punisher. They did some great stuff with it. I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. And I have got to go, my friends. I've got a daughter to go and pick up. Uh, so I'm going to call it right there. But thank you all so much for watching, listening, or watching the archive of this. Your uh, your comments and your support and your sponsorship and all of that. I love you guys. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be back soon with another Vic's Basement. Okay? Take it easy, everybody.